Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Odell Glenn of the OG Inspiration Show, bringing you inspiration, encouragement, and empowerment. And let us begin by a word of prayer. God, we thank you and we praise you for another opportunity to show your grace and your love. We thank you and praise you for all that you have done. God, we ask you to guide us and lead us as we go through this week and bless every family under the sound of my voice. Give them purpose, destiny, and sustained ability to go through anything that they have before them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so as I do each week, guys, I love to give quotes. And today I have a number of them. And I'm going to start off with this. I'll call this quote number one. It's not that God won't give you more than you can handle, but that God will help you handle all you have been given. I'm going to repeat that. It's not that God won't give you more than you can handle, but that God will help you handle all that you have been given. And so I'm reminded when I think about that quote of 2 Corinthians 1 and 8, and Paul writes, for we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, that we were burning excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. And so Paul, this was a time when Paul was in a state of distress and he wrote that. And that basically says that he was in a point where it seemed like he was given more than he could bear. But as time went on, in order for Paul to have a deeper faith, God put him in a situation that his resume, his abilities, and his connections could not change. And so I like to bring that up because we hear that God won't give us more than we can bear. That's a saying that goes around. But when you look at and do a reflection, sometimes it does seem like you have a little bit more than you can bear. But God will help you handle all that you have been given. Another quote that I want to leave with you today is sometimes the problem is the solution. And I got that right from Bill Woosley's website. Sometimes the problem is the solution. We have a awesome guest this morning. I'm going to read his bio, Mr. Bill Woosley, and he is helping to empower Christian entrepreneurs. But when you think about a business mindset, sometimes the problem, sometimes if you can solve a problem, you can be the solution and benefit from that. And so we'll talk about that later on today. Quote number three, when we ask God to move a mountain, God may give us a shovel. (laughs) When I read that, I was like, wow, you know, sometimes we want to sit and pray and ask God to move everything and heal and do everything while we sit and just, but the Bible says faith without works is dead. Sometimes you're the solution to the problem. And when you ask him to move the mountain, he may have you to start digging. And when you dig, guys, you find jewels and things that you never thought of that will not only bless you, but bless those around you. Another quote that I want to leave with you today is take a few moments to sit quietly today and just be thankful for all that you have. Sometimes we live in a really busy world where we can complain about a lot of things, but you know, sometimes sit quietly and just think about 
all the things that you have and become thankful. Quote number four, nothing is more expensive than a missed opportunity. I'm sure Bill will talk a lot about that today. Sometimes opportunities to do ministry, to help others could also create nonprofits out of that and sometimes income that you doesn't expectly think of. Miss opportunity is a very expensive thing and it could cost someone's life as far as being saved or being helped as we are commissioned to do. One last quote today. Why are you trying so hard to fit in when you were born to stand out? I can't answer that question for you, audience. You have to realize that you were uniquely and wonderfully made, and you came to this earth to fulfill a purpose. Even the time that you were born had purpose and destiny in it. It's up to you to find that out. So fitting in just to fit in with the crowd so that you're not marginalized or you're not looked at upon as different leads you at the end of the day or at the end of your life for something that is not very pleasant. You want to find out what is your purpose in life. I remember being a young man and I would pray, God, whatever purpose you put me here on this earth, let it be done in Jesus name. That was my simple prayer. And through things and situations, he developed and made me to become that purpose. And it's peace and joy and contentment on the inside. So I leave those quotes with you today to think upon, reflect and ponder, and also to pray about. And you will see that if you're sincerely honest with God about that, God will direct and lead your steps and you'll be moving in a destiny or path that you know has been ordained of God. All right. And so today, as I mentioned, we have a special guest with us in the studio, and his name is Mr. Bill Woosley. Mr. Bill Woosley is the president and founder of 5-2 Network, a network that equips Christian entrepreneurs to launch a variety of sustainable startups that reach people for Jesus. After starting his undergraduate work at Texas AMN, Bill transferred to pre-seminary route and then received his Master of Divinity from Concordia Seminary, serving congregations in a variety of roles for the next decade. In 1997, Bill and his family planted Cross Point Community Church, a multi-site congregation outside of Houston that led this denomination and growth for most of the 2000s, scaling from seven to 1,600 families. Bill began leading 5-2 Network full-time in 2015 when the network launched Start New. It's Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban training process that helps entrepreneurial leaders to grow their God-given dreams into ministries, nonprofits, and faith-based businesses that make an eternal difference in financially sustainable ways. Over the past decade, Bill and his team have been able to help produce new and renewed churches, homeless shelters, mobile medical clinics, mobile food ministries, to underserved communities, sports ministries, preschools, single mothers groups, 
recovery ministries, and coffee shops, all of them loving their communities in credible ways. With decades of experience in starting and leading ministries, churches, and networks, Bill now invests his life in men and women who want to reach people for Jesus in new and creative ways. After serving congregations in the Midwest, he and his family again planted Crossword Community Church in Houston and saw that ministry grow. Bill has authored Seven Steps to Start, a practical how-to-start book written from a front row seat of over 30 years of outreach experience. He and his wife of 34 years, Julia, has three children, Timothy and his wife, Kathleen, Abigail, her husband, Nick, and son, Ezra, and Samuel. Guys, after this commercial break, we will come back and have a chat with Mr. Bill Woosley, who is the founder of his organization after this short commercial break. Hi, I'm Dr. Orlando Morris McCauley Jr., a candidate for Episcopal service in the AME Church. I'm the father of three young men and one daughter who are millennials. Their vision and concept of church is quite different than tradition. One of my visions as candidate for bishop is to find innovative ways for which millennials can exercise their gifts and share their vision, especially through technology. There are a few ways you can help the Macaulay for Bishop campaign by donating monetary gifts. You may do so by visiting our website at www.macaulayforbishop.com and clicking on the donation page on the menu. You may donate using the Cash App or the Givelify options. Your gift can make a huge difference in the life of the church. Find us on Facebook at Macaulay for Bishop 2020. Share our link, promote what we do, or find out how to volunteer. The Lord blessing keep you is my prayer. Are you a full-time caregiver for a loved one with a terminal illness? Do you feel overwhelmed at times? Do you often feel as if there is no hope? Well, with over 12 years of caregiving experience for two parents alone, in addition to writing a dissertation, fulfilling ministerial obligations, working home-based businesses, and radio personality responsibilities, Dr. Odell Glenn has found the time and has had the energy to write a book to inspire and empower other caregivers. Purchase his book entitled, Caregiving, the inspirational manual on his website at www.ogcaregiving.com. And you can also book him to come and speak at your next event, function, or club. Again, the website is www.ogcaregiving.com. Does your child have an interest in STEM? Is he or she always asking the why questions? With four engineering degrees behind him, Dr. Glenn can help you better navigate the process. Sign up on his website at www.ogstem.com for newsletters, his upcoming book, and webinars dedicated to STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. The key to success is to plan early. It's never too early to plan. Do you need a certain SAT score to get into the college of your choice? Well, Dr. Odell Glenn can help you get it. The three-tier foundation offers online SAT prep classes. Dr. Glenn will show you test strategies and tactics needed to get the score you want. The exam is beatable with the proper coach. 
We are open to working with individuals, schools, and groups for six-week online sessions. Sign up at www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. That's www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. Okay, welcome back, audience. As I mentioned, we have a special guest, Mr. Bill Woosley. Mr. Bill Woosley, can you greet the audience and tell us a little about where you're from and your background and your education? Hey, Odell, thank you so much for having me here on the OG Inspirational Radio Podcast. Just so thankful for that. Yes, good morning and welcome to everybody. I am sitting here right now outside of Austin, Texas. I live about an hour and 15 minutes out of city center out in the gorgeous hill country. And unfortunately, or fortunately today, we are in the midst of record-breaking lows with ice all over the ground. And, you know, the roads are all iced in. And so I'm thankfully in a nice warm house here talking with you. Odell, uh, yeah, so I was born and raised in Texas. You mentioned Texas A&M. I started out as electrical engineer, computer science kind of thinking, but my pastors had always wanted me to be a pastor. So I ended up going that route through a series of events. And my focus was always in the ministries that I led before we started Crosspoint. It was always on ministries that would help reach people in the community in new ways and bring them into that local church where they could experience Jesus and get to know his love and his acceptance through the love and acceptance of other people. So I did that for roughly a decade. And then we started Crosspoint in West Houston. Very fortunate, just a crazy ride in in many, many wonderful ways, uh, watching people come to know Jesus. Uh, In that ministry, Odell, and this is kind of something that we took into our network then as we started 5-2, our whole goal was to really connect with the guy that we call Lawnmower Dad. And that meant he would rather mow his lawn on Sunday morning than go to church. <laughs> so uh, he thought that would be more worth his time than to uh, be in church with his family. And so we just designed the whole ministry around connecting with that man uh, because we knew if we could, we'd also have a greater chance of reaching his kids, his family. And uh, so, so God just kind of blessed all that. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. And we started our network in 2009 to really invest in those frontline starters, those sacred starters, we like to call them, who have some desire, they have something that Jesus laid on their heart, usually a passion for some type of person or some group of people, but they don't really know what to do with it. They don't know how to get that going. And we come alongside of them and help them be successful. Awesome. Awesome, Bill. That is a great background that you have in electrical engineering and then switching over to get your master's in divinity. Could you tell us a little bit about what the master's of divinity entails? Sure. In the denomination that I hail from, all of our pastors have an undergraduate and then they have a master's in divinity. That was the way it was back when I went through. It's slightly changed nowadays, but So that master's was four years of postgraduate work in theology, systematics, exegesis, how to preach, how to take the Bible and interpret it correctly, how to lead congregations, a whole group of learnings that went into those four years, including one of those years was an internship in a church. 
Right. And can you tell us how your background in education has now shaped you being the president and CEO of your corporation today? Well, I think the biggest thing that background did in really training to be a pastor was to give me an incredible theological foundation, Mm -hmm. and especially in sharing Jesus with people in ways that attract them to Jesus instead of repel them from Jesus. And so our network and really how we lead is a very grace-oriented leadership. It's not without truth and without accountability. It has all of that, but it's also always in a spirit of grace and in love and acceptance. So that was really the foundation for my whole philosophy of life. And, And as we look at sacred starter types, we want them to understand Jesus and his incredible grace for people, because that's the core value that we're going to want them to take with them into these new things they start. So that was it. And then I was always fortunate, Odell, to be in large churches. And so I got to experience working with staff and teams and how to build teams and uh, how to communicate and recruit and inspire uh, so God just kind of laid it out for me that I got to be in large churches so that when we started Crosspoint with seven families and it scaled very quickly, I was able to handle that leadership well. Awesome. Awesome. And so, Bill, you mentioned that you started this foundation based on a man who basically was mowing his lawn, sort of say. What obstacles did you face in starting or being a Christian engineer to empower others? And how did you overcome them? Because I think your ministry is awesomely unique. There are lots of people who have a heart for God. They don't know how to connect with the Christians, but Paul said we have to be all things to all people. So sometimes it's just a matter of connecting of what they do to then develop a relationship And then that could eventually, how did you overcome some of those obstacles? That's a fantastic leading (laughs) question. I mean, I can't, and even quoting Paul, that passage out of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9, where Paul says, I have taken this tact of being all things to all people that I might save some. Right. Okay. So Mm -hmm. that's his goal. And what we want people to understand, and this is something I didn't have to know it going in. It was kind of wired into me. But then as we looked back, we saw what we had actually done when we started Crosspoint. So because of my background and wanting to be an engineer and kind of having that mindset, when we landed in West Houston, we were in oil and gas territory. In that part of the city and the region, tons of engineers. So I was kind of like prepped to reach that person. And an engineer type, he or she, they are very logical. They want to see the dots all connect. And so if you're going to talk about things of faith, it has to make sense to them. And we also said our two things were it had to make sense, but it also had to make them feel. So how could we present Jesus in ways that it would stir their emotions and their soul and engage their head? And I would just say to those who are listening, if you have some passion on your heart, for some people, and you're trying to think how to serve them or how to create a business that serves them. And we're very service-oriented. So whatever you do, we want you to think about who it's for before you decide what it is you're going to do. As you're thinking about that, there's a concept that we have to all understand, and that is whoever it is you're trying to serve or reach, they have some core values in their life. And 
most of us don't have much more than maybe seven to 10 total. And we just can't manage that many. And so they're going to have, let's say, seven core values in their life. And you have an equal number of those core values, and they're going to differ in some way. But your goal is to find out your customer's core values, your client's core values, which ones of those can you own also, so that you're going to give up something for the sake of this person, you're going to embrace that, that's going to build that bridge to that person. They're going to say, hey, this person really cares for me. They're kind of like me. They share this in common with me. And that's how you're going to start that out to build that going forward. Awesome. Awesome, Bill. That was perfectly stated and much needed. Again, I am an engineer myself and my trade is in engineering. Engineers are very logical. <laughs> yes, and they are. even science people, they really just want the facts and right, right. concrete details and all the fluff stuff is not important. And so to reach them, you have to be authentic because engineers right, can tell from right. and they don't have the time to kind of deal with that. And so that's okay because God created them uniquely and they are yearning for the knowledge and the why and the what and the who. They ask the, all the why questions and you have to be authentic and you have to develop a relationship. And so I really think your ministry is really awesome and unique because of developing relationships mean a whole lot. And that goes for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just kind of pick up a Bible and just say, come to Jesus and join my church and everything is going to be perfect. You have to meet people where they are. And this is why, I mean, I'm just so excited to interview you. And so, Bill, what is the biggest mistake Christian entrepreneurs make and how can they best avoid those downfalls? I think, Odell, it kind of ties into what you were saying there. We have a phrase that says, you can't reach people you hate. So yeah. you can't reach people you hate. Meaning, like you said, they can smell it a mile away if they're just going to be a notch on your sales ticket or, or some goal you're trying to meet, as opposed to you really care about them. And so when we work with Christian entrepreneurs of all slices, and you know these are individuals who most of the time, they may not even call themselves an entrepreneur, Odell. They aren't sure about that title. They do have entrepreneurial giftings. We would even say, if you want to get theological, in an Ephesians 4 way, they're the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist kind of leaders. They enjoy being out and about with people. But what we found with them is that when they go to start something small or start something large, the concept they need to understand, because they're going to do it without even understanding it, is that their values are going to transfer to the values of this new thing. So this new thing they start is going to look like them in many ways. And if you do that without thinking it through, it's easy for you to silo Jesus back into some corner, and he doesn't get to be a part holistically of whatever it is you're starting. And so that, to me, is, that's one of the fundamental things we want to help these entrepreneurial women and men understand, is that that love for Jesus, that place Jesus has in your life, he wants it to be a 24-7 kind of thing. And that's why we take you through in our training, we take you through a whole thing of Jesus's values out of the feeding of the 5,000. So our network, 5-2, five, 
five loaves and two fish is where we get our name from, and that feeding of the 5,000. And what do we learn about Jesus there that you as a starter will take with you into this new thing? The second thing that people get wrong all across the board. So the number one reason startups fail, and this is the same thing for churches, businesses, nonprofits, faith-based businesses, whatever you want to do. The number one reason they fail is that they don't have a customer who wants what they're offering. So we focus you very quickly on who is this for and really understanding the customer and their pains, their gains, the jobs they're trying to get done in their life before you get locked into the product or the methodology. So again, it's very people-focused, very relational, very loving. You got to love these people. And you truly want to help them and let God bless your work. So I would just say that your values and the value of Jesus, that's, if you don't do that, then I would just say to you, you're not really fulfilling that calling of incorporating Jesus into whatever it is you're doing. And the second thing is you get the product or the how before the horse, and you really need to focus instead on who is this for, and let's really understand that person. Exactly. So basically your laser focus on ministry for a particular person. So let's just say a Christian entrepreneur says, hey, they're listening to this podcast and this radio show, and they're saying, hey, I really want to connect. What would be the starting point that you would suggest they go through if they want to connect with you and say, could you take me through the process? I have this really awesome idea. It could reach a lot of people. I've targeted my individual person or persons or group, what Mm -hmm. would be the process that they would have to go through to successfully be this Christian entrepreneur through your organization? Well, Odell, we just launched back in November, we launched a brand new site. So if if you go to our new site, which is startnewtraining.com, startnewtraining, all one word, .com, you'll find our training there. Really, I would suggest to a person, they're kind of kicking the tires. They're trying to figure out, is this something for them or not? Our access level, which is where you get all of the videos, and we have 52 short videos for you. We have handouts and team activities, and everything's there. We're trying to get as many people in the game as possible on this. And so you can get that. You can download it. It's on demand. It's uh, your own pace. And it's a great way for those self-starters or those people who are exploring this idea. So let's just say one of our examples. You're a single mom from Puerto Rico in the Bronx. So this is a real woman. Her name is Jasmine. And you are now in your church and you've met some other women who were single moms. And they're all from Puerto Rico because you're kind of in the Puerto Rico area of the Bronx. And you're watching these young moms in your midst, these young, well, yeah, young moms, unmarried, and you're going, gosh, I wish somebody would have been there for me. So Jasmine got these other two women together and said, we ought to do something about this. And they are a part of our training and have taken that and just kind of taken it on and created this ministry, which they're doing on the side because they all have full-time jobs. And so our training was perfect for something like that. It also works though, if you want to do something really large. And we have different ways you can experience it. But I would suggest somebody, you could go to startnewtraining.com, the access level, it's all self-led. 
all our videos. You'll see me there. You'll see some of our other leaders on those videos. And we just walk you through the process. And it's what we call, as you said already, Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban, because we want you to be the presence of Jesus in that community, but we want you to do it in financially sustainable ways, because you can only spend a dollar one time. Once you spend it, it's gone. So we want to help you spend those dollars wisely as you do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. It reminds me of my foundation that I basically started last year, huh. March of 2020, which was basically at the cults of the COVID. And it basically serves three different types of people. It serves high school students who want SAT prep, which I partnered with the Princeton Review to give SAT prep. It also serves caregivers for those caregivers who need a break or respite, maybe three hours, four hours, just to get a massage or to come back empowered after they have been caregiving for such a long time. Now, And it also services the general public to learn about cryptocurrency, which I think is the new form of money. And so it's serving three different various arenas. I'm just developing it, but my SAT prep is just going bananas because it started just in my community, my cul-de-sac, and then my church. And so now the kids are beginning to talk about the six-week program. And it's just, you know, it's a form of what my passion, but of course, I'm a representative of Jesus Christ as well. And so it outbreaks even into that arena just from service. So I'm trying to write grants and things like that. And everyone knows I'm a man of faith in the community and in the church. And so it just brings forth Christian entrepreneurship towards the forefront with a representation of Jesus that then embodies witness. And so what can you say about even covid do you feel like there should be more Christian entrepreneurs that people should tap into that after that, now that jobs are folding and employment yep. is down? What are your thoughts? Yeah, definitely. Anytime you have things like this happen in the world, the church can take one of two approaches, right? We can hunker down, close up, operate in a spirit of fear. Or we can see that God is somehow at hand. We can trust that. We may not be able to see it right away. We can trust that he's at work. And this is an opportunity for the church to be the church. And so I feel strongly that COVID has presented an opportunity for Christians, especially those who are wired to start things, to either use that as a way to provide for their family or as a way to minister to the community. We know that COVID will decrease, vaccines are going to increase, and the big question is, are you as a Christian starter going to be ready? Is your church going to be ready when all of that is changing? And we as an organization feel this is an opportunity for men and women to come out of the woodwork in the sense of, hey, we've always wanted to start this new thing and our community could really use it. I love your example of the Princeton Review and those students who aren't able to perform well in the SAT or they need, my wife actually tutors and uses Princeton Review in her tutoring with students like that. So I think that's a fantastic example of you taking that initiative and serving a group of people in the name of Jesus 
in a way that they really need it and they're trying to move forward in their lives. Right. Because I also always believe that you can't give people Jesus until you feed them and clothe them and meet their needs. And that's an easier way to then introduce Jesus to them after you have met them. Bill, what kind of models work best when starting a social, nonprofit, or faith-based ethics? Well, the models can differ widely. Uh, First of all, we would start with you, the leader, and really try to understand what it is you're trying to accomplish. So are you trying to make this to where it's going to provide for your family income? Is this more of something you're able to do on the side and let it grow until it reaches that point? What community are you thinking it's going to be in? Is it a more of a virtual, you know, online kind of ministry, or is it going to be in real time? So all those types of things would be critical to discern. And then especially who is this you're trying to reach? So even kind of using your example, Odell, of the Princeton Review, you basically are targeting a very narrow slice of high school students who are even wanting to prepare for the SAT. They feel that that's important. And then how are they going to do that? Well, the Princeton Review, you can get it online. You can order the book from Amazon. Somebody could walk you through it in person, or they could even you know Zoom you in this environment and walk you through it there. So the model really is very dependent upon who you're trying to reach, what your particular gifts and desires are, and then what are the requirements for this to be successful? Like, do you need more staff? Do you need a really great internet connection? In our process, we use what is called a business model canvas process. The business model canvas was created in Sweden in about 2004. It was crowdsourced by a whole bunch of entrepreneurs that came came together and said, what are the key ingredients to make sure something has a great business model that it works? So they lined up these nine particular ingredients. And uh, we use that because it checks off all the boxes for the model that you're trying to create. And what I like about this process is it doesn't say you got to have this model, but rather it says, here's a process to help you discern what is the best model for what you're trying to do. So we don't come into you, you know, we don't approach you with a cookie cutter and we'll have examples of things, but it's really dependent upon what you're trying to do. I'll give you one more example. One of our, we have just a number of incredible things that women and men have started, especially women have started through us. One was a lady named Deb Ellinger. She is a former police officer in Detroit. She worked in the sex crimes department, got kind of fed up or you know, just burned out and decided, I really want to help people before that point. And she created what is called Ellie's House. Ellie's House is a 501c3. It ministers to women on the streets, especially in the Ninth Precinct, just a kind of a burned out area of Detroit. And to do that effectively, though, she had this desire to start houses for them. She now has three houses. She was just given a small apartment complex as well. To do that, though, she realized she had to get to really demonstrate love for these women. So her model is that there's an outreach uh, ministry that is a van. She gets other women, a couple of men in that. They go around the streets late at night. They minister to these women food, clothing, prayer. She actually has performed a couple funerals for women who are murdered on the streets. So that's the bridge to move them into these houses, these safe houses. So again, 
The models, depending upon what it is you want to do, it's form-fitted to that, but we do know the boxes that you need to check off to get there effectively. And so audience, the 5-2 network, as Bill mentioned, it equips Christian entrepreneurs to launch a variety of sustainable startups that reach people for Jesus, which is the core essence of this. And as Bill just mentioned, they provide you clarity. They just don't give you a model and say one model fits all, but they give you assessment, training, and coaching. So they actually listen to you to determine what model works best through an assessment tool. And it creates these entrepreneurial men and women of faith to realize your dreams of creating faith-based startups that lead to more baptized followers of Jesus. As you gave a perfect example of the woman had to connect with these women before she really had any success. And then now it's a partnership. And then now it's easier for her to connect with these women and get them off the street. Well, and she's gained trust, right? right? They believe in her, they can trust her. I do also want to say the part of people, we have two core outcomes for everything we help start, Odell. One is that Jesus would be known by the people you're serving. But the second one that is equally important to us is financial sustainability. Because we know as a starter, the last thing you want is to put all this time and energy into it and it fails a month in or something. So we force you to work through the difficult questions and process of how's this thing going to be financially viable? And so both the finances and the faith, those two things are critical for us. Right. And that's important because a lot of people, especially in certain sectors of Christianity, feel like, hey, you're a Christian. You should be giving all your services away for free. And what did no, you Jesus should not. do? <laughs> he turned the tables in the church. What can you speak about that type of mindset? That's a great question. So from 2009, well, actually since about 1999, I started working with church planters. So that's kind of where I really started in the whole startup thing after we had started Bible study groups and church services and all sorts of other things in churches. I started working with men who were starting planting churches. And what we saw right away in visiting with the, a number of different networks, from the Assemblies of God to Anglican to Nandanam, across the board, we saw that if you give money away to, especially like a, a planter type, they treat it differently than if it was their own money. And so we've taken that principle and applied it across the board. And I would just say to you as a Christian a business person, you should not gouge people. But in our society, there's a value when I pay for something. So we always want everybody to have some skin in the game. Now, we have donors, and this is another thing we teach you. If we think that there's a beauty in having two forms of income, both a donative income, meaning you have donors, grants, whatever it may be, but especially donors who believe in your cause. And the other form of income would be earned income through providing of service or some kind of a fee structure, whatever it may be. So for instance, if you have a preschool for immigrant moms, which is something else we help start in the Detroit area, if you have that, how can we make it where these immigrant moms on their level of income can afford this preschool? I need donors to do that, okay? But at the same time, we're not going to give that preschool away 
because they need to own it and feel it's part of theirs. It actually builds ownership. So I know you're going to have people tell you, well, you should just give this away to me. And that's not a healthy mindset for the person nor for what you're doing, especially when you're in the realm of needing to provide an income for your family. So just don't give into that. But at the same time, you want to make it where it's not so priced out of the person you're trying to reach where it doesn't benefit them. And that's why we've been able to make our training incredibly affordable because we have donors behind us who are helping that happen. Awesome. And you hit it right on the nose. Value is connected to the value that you put in. And I had experience with that. The very first SAT training class that I had, I gave everything away for free. And the value of, they didn't take it as serious, but this next group and the groups after when they had to pay for the books and the time and the commitment, they're getting more out of it. The Mm -hmm. parents are more connected to it. And it now creates opportunities for them to even have stronger connections. So the value that you give makes a huge difference and you have to put a price tag to it so that people can appreciate that as well. There's a phrase that says, money is not the mission, but where there's no money, there's no mission. Exactly. And you got to remember that. Exactly. Exactly. Guys, we're going to take a short commercial break and then come back and finish up our conversation with Mr. Bill Woolley after this commercial break. In need of a motivational speaker for your upcoming event? Dr. Glenn speaks at school graduations, public gatherings, colleges, and universities. In addition, he is a national radio personality as well as published author. Have him speak at your next in-person or online event at 3tierfoundation at gmail.com. That's the number 3tierfoundation at gmail.com. Are you a full-time caregiver for a loved one with a terminal illness? Do you feel overwhelmed at times? Do you often feel as if there is no hope? Well, with over 12 years of caregiving experience for two parents alone, in addition to writing a dissertation, fulfilling ministerial obligations, working home-based businesses, and radio personality responsibilities, Dr. Odell Glenn has found the time and has had the energy to write a book to inspire and empower other caregivers. Purchase his book entitled, Caregiving, the inspirational manual on his website at www.ogcaregiving.com. And you can also book him to come and speak at your next event, function, or club. Again, the website is www.ogcaregiving.com. Do you need a certain SAT score to get into the college of your choice? Well, Dr. Odell Glenn can help you get it. The Three-Tier Foundation offers online SAT prep classes. Dr. Glenn will show you test strategies and tactics needed to get the score you want. The exam is beatable with a proper coach. We are open to working with individuals, schools, and groups for six-week online sessions. Sign up at www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. That's www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. 
Do you have that burning desire to educate, empower, and inspire community? We here at WDRB Media provide you with such wonderful opportunities to make such a positive impact. So step out on faith and make a significant difference with your gift. We care about your voice and the impact it has. Call 1-877-342-7770 and provide them with the code 1349 to begin the process. That's 1-877-342-7770 and code 1349. Well, guys, we're back from our commercial break. We've been having an awesome conversation with Mr. Bill Woolsley, who is basically the president and the founder of the 5-2 Networks. He's been giving us some awesome insights on being a Christian entrepreneur, as well as knowing where your heart is and then taking that and expounding that into a business. And so, Bill, what makes a team launch so powerful and what ingredients are the key ingredients for creating a successful team in a mission building setting? We've basically been talking more so about the individual, but now, of course, to really launch the business, you need a team, you need a board of directors. What type of characteristics should a great team have? Your first question, what makes a team so powerful and effective? Again, it goes back to the body of Christ and Paul's uh, uh, metaphor there in Corinthians. And so when we look at a team, and that's why we have a tool where we can assess every member of the team and really look at your entrepreneurial mindset. And the, what we know is to be successful as a team, there are certain jobs you're going to have to get done. And do you like getting those jobs done? In other words, you need to be organized because the more organized you are, the more people can come together and they can find themselves a place to contribute and fit in. You also need to be out with people. You need to be collaborative. You need to be cause-driven. That's the number one thing we look for is are your cause-driven. Compassionate is another aspect of that. So what makes a team so powerful is that you as the leader and the founder don't have to provide it all. And matter of fact, you're not going to excel in many of the areas. So when you realize that, when you're self-aware and you bring these other people around you that are stronger in organizing, even frankly, even in building team, you may not be the best team builder, but you're going to have somebody there who really is more of the pastoral or the shepherd type of person who will make sure people are cared for. That may not be your wiring. So what's important is you as an individual not get so hung up that you don't have the gifts, but rather you value the gifts and make sure you value the person on your team that's bringing those into being. So a good team needs to be aligned in where it's going, in who it's serving, and then how it's going to do it. So where is it going? Who's it serving? And how is it going to do it? And that how usually is Those are the different responsibilities that the team members are going to have. You know, you also mentioned having a board of directors. And so we always encourage our startups to don't get too far ahead of themselves. We'll have people that will, I have to go get incorporated. I'm like, figure out what it is you're going to do first. Don't spend your time getting incorporated until you've done your homework, you've done your testing, because we have you do testing as well to make sure this thing's going to work. And then go get incorporated. Then you can get your board of directors, et cetera, et cetera. Your board of directors may be part of the team that launched the ministry or the business. They may not be. You want to make sure they're going to bring a different set of gifts 
generally right. speaking, than the startup team did. Right. And so what would be your suggestion to have a team with a variety of specialty gifts that could help basically make the gift the team strong? The team, right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so you're going to have that leader that's going to generally have the initial idea, the concept. They're going to protect the values. The team will protect the values, but that, that key leaders especially you're going to want somebody who is financially astute. If it's not you as the leader, then it needs to be. And by that, I mean, they understand some basic accounting. They know how to do some forecasting of cash because cash is king. You're also going to want somebody who is more enjoying or learning or learned in the whole marketing and how you're going to be communicating things. And then I would just say from a skill set, somebody who is organized as in they're more into planning and strategy and the tactics that you're going to be doing so that they, that once you say, we're going to take the hill this way, they're like, okay, we're going to take the hill this way. They're usually able to take this vision of the leader or this desire of the leader. So the leader is a direction setting. There's somebody on the team who is able to translate that direction into steps that you need to take to get there. So I always right. encourage it. some kind of administrative organized person, some kind of finance kind of person, some kind of marketing communication awareness type thing initially. We don't want your initial team to be any more than five right. at the gate. And it's got to be a, you're a hands-on, you're rolling up your sleeves, but you're usually kind of utility players, but you've got some knowledge in one of those areas. Right. And do you suggest people to get, people from their own sphere of influence, family, church, or just basically others who just basically have a business mindset outside of their sphere of influence? Oh, that could vary from organization to organization. Well, I would say we tell people, tell the leader, especially, you need to love working with these people. I mean, this team, this team needs to work together well. You don't need directional conflict or you know, what's our cause conflict at this stage? Now you're going to argue over how best to implement it and what it needs to look like. That's fantastic. And so you need some strong people who can handle arguing. But initially, I suggest you go with people. And we always tell people, you start with this deep sense of prayer, that you're committing this to prayer. You're asking Jesus to bring to mind people that would be helpful for you in this cause. And sometimes they may be some dearer friends. Other times they may just be people you ran across, either at work or at church or in your neighborhood. But I would just go back and say, you need to like them. You need to enjoy them and respect their gifts. Right, right. Awesome, awesome advice. And so, Bill, there may be someone out in the audience who really have enjoyed or is enjoying this conversation and want to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you for help or to get started or to partner with you? So there's two ways they can do that, Odell. They can go to 52.com, F-I-V-E-T-W-O.com. There's a contact us page there they can go to. There's also, there's a little quiz they can take that's for free and it kind of gives them an idea of how entrepreneurial they are. So they can go do that and we'll get that and they can actually request that somebody call them. So they can go to 52.com and do that. They can also go to startnewtraining.com. There's another quiz there 
that helps them determine which level of training would be best for them. And that's all depending upon how risky of the startup they want to do is. So 52.com or startnewtraining.com, they can contact us there, go in through that. And we have individuals who will reach back out to them and would love to Zoom with them or talk with them and help them turn that God-given dream into a ministry, a nonprofit, a business, a for-profit that makes a difference in their community. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. It's almost like you guys are being educated in the sense that you are really finding out what makes you tick. I know in colleges and universities, the career planning department gives an exam that shows what field will best suit you. And so this is a field to show what level of entrepreneurship you should dwell in. This is an awesome test. I may go out and take that test myself. Amen. This is awesome. Awesome. And so, Bill, are there any final words that you would have to give to the audience of encouragement or inspiration or any budding entrepreneur that may be out there or even pastor or church who says, you know what, it's time to take my church to another level and serve the community as a function of nonprofit? What advice would you give them as final thoughts? My advice would be to do it. But your comment, you kind of had two audiences there. And let me just say a brief word to both. So pastors, let me talk to pastors. Pastors, I am a pastor, been a pastor over 34 years. And most pastors went into ministry to care for sheep, right? They see God's people and they want to care for them. They did not go into the ministry to hunt wild sheep, which is what we, <laughs> what we do, okay? And they're kind of scared with hunting wild sheep. But the fact is there are people in their congregations who really enjoy that. They really enjoy meeting new people and bringing the gospel in creative ways out into communities. Pastors, we need to get those people in the game, because if you'll not be too afraid of those people, if you'll mobilize them and enlist them for your ministries, there are wonderful growth opportunities there for your congregation in your community without you having to do it. I can't say that enough. You don't have to do it. You just have to shepherd it, okay? So that's one thing. And then I would just say those men and women. We have worked with so many women that have been ignored, and they have this idea. They've got a great mix of compassion, but go get it. And ladies especially, but men also, I just pray that you will hear that calling, that you'll take that next step, and that you'll not let the people in your life, maybe you've shared that with somebody and they go, that's kind of crazy. Don't listen to those people who think you're crazy. Lots of starters have been called crazy over the years, and they need somebody to go alongside with them. We would love to go alongside with you, encourage you, pour into you, invest in you, so that your dream, your idea can become reality. So take that next step. Reach out to us, 52.com, startnewtrain.com. We want to walk with you and just pour into you so that the kingdom of Jesus would grow and so that you're able to start something that you're proud of and makes a difference in your community, but also in your family's life and for you financially. Awesome. Awesome advice. And so, Bill, I just want to comment on something you just said. You basically said the wild sheep. It seems that that is my passion. That's my calling (laughs) as well. I'm always, I'm in the church. I have responsibilities and I've been members of several churches, but I'm always out reaching those ones or trying to persuade those ones that may not be 
So churchy or in the church or know Jesus at their level and then meet them where they are through service. And then that is an easier way for me to get them. And so you hit that right on there and said that nicely, was nicely said. Thank you so much. And so I started off with a quote, sometimes the problem is the solution. And I think Bill did an awesome job by expounding that through his organization, that if you see a problem, like you just mentioned, some women out there who have a need or passion for a certain problem, and you know that you can do it, but now we have a source that we can go to that helps develop. This is almost like being in the gym. In order to lose the pounds, in order to lose the weight or get the muscles, you need a coach, you need a process, you need a plan, you need to go through a process. And your ministry bill is so powerful that it offers people that hand heal. It's almost like being out in the water and now we have a safeguard to go to to help develop and then see you become successful. And so the problem you could be the solution to the problem through your nonprofit, through your business, or through your organization. The last question I have before we go, Bill, is what would be your advice on starting either a business or a nonprofit? How would you distinguish or tell a person which direction they should go if they want to push it in just a business or push it in a nonprofit? Is there any distinction uh, well, there is a distinction. One, there's a legal distinction. Business is owned by mm-hmm. a person or a group. A nonprofit is technically not owned. Right. It's managed. I think it would probably come down, Odell, to what level of service they're desiring to do. Uh, you know, is it a, we would say both can do social good. So that business could be a, one for social good, the nonprofit for social good. It probably also, though, it would probably boil down to what level of income you're looking to have. And does that level of income, is that need greater than the service need? So I'd have to just kind of talk with that person about that because we've seen both. And it, sometimes it has to do with a functionality, on one hand, easier to start a business, although you're going to have all the tax implications it's sometimes more difficult to get your nonprofit status because you have to prove altruism and humanitarian cause or religious cause. So there's some pros and cons of both. But I would probably say to a person, what's your motivation? Why is it you're doing this? And to really come clear with that. So Deb, you know, a lot of, a lot of things we've helped start, the people started them on the side and they grew into things that now provide income for them. And I would just say that to you too. If you're going to start a business and you think overnight it's going to provide all your income, you need to sign me up for that one because I want that one. Because <laughs> that's, that's usually not the case. So they're both going to take a while, but uh, I don't really know that there's a clear-cut answer on that one. I'd want to know motivation. Right, right, right. Because there are some people that may be on the cross fence of the two and may not know. There are uh, businesses... Uh, especially if you look uh, across the ocean into closed countries where you have the church doing what is called businesses mission, where men and women come in and they'll start businesses as a way of bringing the church into that and Jesus into that. So it's really a pretty broad spectrum as to why you would do one or the other. Right, right, right. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Bill Woolsey, for your knowledge, your insight, your wisdom, and your Thank inspiration you for inviting me. to us. Yeah. And can you end off with the final prayer? Oh, I would love that. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. We thank you for all that he does for us each and every day, for giving us incredible gifts of creation and family and friends, but more than that, of your love for us, your acceptance of us, and how we have a place in your family by your side forever, only because of Jesus and, and his gift of life. Father, I pray for all of those who are listening that you would just reach into their hearts, that you would convict them of your calling in their lives, that you would give them the courage they need to take that first step. And Father, that you would allow those dreams that you put on their hearts to become reality so that more people would know you, so that families would be cared for and fed, so that your kingdom would grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, that's all the time that we have for the OG Inspiration Show. And so I would like to leave with this quote that I say every week, we have an innovative God and he is constantly challenging us to reflect his glory, to utilize the characteristic he has given each of us to move forward towards righteousness. And we must often be innovative in that test. We pray that you've been inspired and encouraged this morning. Have an awesome week, blessed week. And until next week, this is the OG Inspiration Show signing off. God bless. Mm -hmm.